following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. We're going to dive into the Word of God this evening. And if you were here last Wednesday night, you know that we, we started a little two-part series that we'll conclude tonight that we simply entitled, Watch Your Mouth. And we, we talked about the lovely people in your world that complain, complain, complain. Don't you just love a good complainer? No. Nobody does. So hopefully you're not that person. Tonight, listen, we're, we're talking about the mouth. We're talking about the tongue because we understand that our words have power. They have power to give life. They have power to take life. And so we're, we're trying to evaluate our words. We're trying to, to learn how to use our words properly because sometimes, here, here's the deal, sometimes you can use your words and you can use them for so many years that you don't even understand that you've slipped into this way of talking and this way of addressing people. You don't even know it. And so sometimes we got to look in the mirror and address some stuff um, tonight's is going to be just as much fun as last week's. And so let me start by asking you this question. Do you, do you ever have anybody or have you over the course of your life had somebody in your life that is the king or the queen of backhanded compliments? You know, aren't those people fun? Man, you think you just did a great job and then they come up and they just slap you upside the head like, oh, you're... You're getting, you're getting so good. You're like, I'm 60 years old, man. Like, what, 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 I hope I am at this point, right? Like, whatever that is for you. Maybe, um, maybe you just bought a new cologne or a new perfume and somebody walks up to you and they says, wow, what a strong smell. So pretty. What? No, we know how you feel. Like, you just let it known that... You don't like this smell. You can't sugarcoat it now. You've already dug yourself in a hole. Imagine two middle-aged women talking together and one of the, uh, the others or one says to the other, "You know what? Uh, my niece watches makeup YouTube videos too. I really love how you do your makeup. That is just that is so cute. Like th- that would not be appealing. Like if you're a middle-aged woman and and you're doing your makeup like a teenager is probably not going to go over very well. Or imagine imagine somebody tells you um you know, "Ma'am, I- I'm I'm assuming here, hey, you're those earrings look so great. I mean, you, you're grown. You've got children of your own. Those earrings are so pretty. My, my 13-year-old daughter would really like those. Those are beautiful. Like, this is, these are the, the kind of comments that people make, and they don't even know it. Uh, or somebody says to you, you look so good. It must have taken you all morning. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. Got up at 4 a.m. just for you. Yep, yep. Don't you love people that can just criticize, criticize, criticize? And I'm not talking about the constructive criticism, the feedback that we give because we love people and we want to help them get better. There's, there's a room for that for sure. But I'm talking 
tonight about the, the critical, nitpicking, unkind, uninformed, cruel criticism that happens so often in our world. And some of you are like, oh, yes. My spouse needs to hear this so bad. I'm glad they're here with me tonight. Or I can't wait. I'm going to send this, this YouTube video to my boss. This is going to be amazing. They need to hear this. And I would look at you tonight and say, hang on, you too need to watch your mouth. Because it's not just for them. If you think it's for them, let me tell you, it is squarely for you. I want to show you some scripture tonight. Um, but isn't it amazing how we, we just despise it when people criticize us? But when we criticize other people, we feel so justified. Right, don't we? Come on, let's be, we're gonna, it's going to get real, like, woo, it's going to get tight in here and tense. So just go ahead and get that out of the way and just be like, yeah, okay, we've all done it, okay? We, we've all been there. I know you're Christian. I know you love Jesus, but you also love to criticize sometimes. It's okay. We're, we're gonna, that's why we're talking about it tonight. We're getting better with our words. If they weren't so weird, they weren't so ignorant, then then I wouldn't criticize them because after all, I know what's best for their life. So if you don't live up to my plan, then I'm gonna criticize the way that you raise your kids, the way that you dress, the, the, the car that you drive, the way that you spend your money, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And we do it unintentionally a lot of times. You do it without even thinking about it. It's just become second nature. You look at them and you're like, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm, yeah. My guess is no matter where you are in your journey with the Lord, if you're very familiar with the word of God or not, my guess is, is that you've heard um, some form of this scripture that I want to share with you. But, but Paul told the believers in Galatia, he said this, for the whole law can be summed up with this one command. Love your neighbor just a little bit. No, no, no. Love your neighbor as yourself. And trust me, if we're criticizers, the chances are very good that you love yourself a lot because you think very highly of yourself that you can criticize somebody else. So, so love your neighbor as much as you love you. That's a full-time job for some of us. <laughs> but watch, it doesn't stop there. See, we know, we know that verse, but are you familiar with the verse that follows? It says this, but if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. Love your neighbor as yourself, but be careful if the words that you speak are constantly critical, if, they're all, if, you gotta, if you have to get a laugh by cutting down somebody else, if that's the only humor that you have, listen, the joke's not funny. The joke's on you, in fact. If you're always harsh with words, be careful of destroying the people around you. Think about this for a second. What if, for some of you, what if your critical words are actually destroying the potential intimacy you could have in your marriage? 
What if your critical words are driving a wall between you and your children because they can't ever do anything right? Everything they do is wrong and you, you feel the need to overcorrect, not just guide and lead, but to just ride their blades over and over again. What if your critical words are actually keeping you from sharing the gospel with people because they know that when you open your mouth, 95% of the time it's in a critical fashion of the way that they're living their life. You are not going to win people by criticizing them. You know how you win people? You start living it and they look at you and they say, oh my goodness, what in, why do they have so much joy when they come into this nine to five? I know they shouldn't have this much joy on a Monday morning. What in the world? What kind of coffee are you drinking? Oh, I'm sorry, it's not coffee. I just, I, God's been so, let me tell you a little bit about how good God has been. Let me show you the way that I used to live my life and how far he's brought me. <clears throat> Be careful that your words aren't hurting the people around you. In context of these couple of scriptures, that I, I love these kind of scriptures, by the way, because they're kind of they're two-sided. They give you both sides of the picture here. But in, in terms of both sides of these scriptures, I want you to determine who you are in this passage of scripture. Proverbs chapter 12 would tell us this. Some people make cutting remarks. Is that you? Or... Here's the other side, but words of the wise bring healing. How do you use your words? Some people cut, some people hurt and criticize, but other people choose to speak words of wisdom and those words build up. They don't tear down, but they create healing. Paul said in Ephesians chapter four, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Is that who you are? Or here's the flip side, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Who, who are you? How do you use your words? What is your natural go-to? Is it something that you need to stop and check and say, whoa, 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 why is it that this is my natural go-to when I'm talking to people? Why do, I, why do I seem to use my words in a cutting fashion in a way that is always tearing people down? And here's what I hope that you understand tonight. Listen, I don't have much more to get across than this, this main idea is that you have no idea how a single word of criticism can pierce somebody's soul and send them on a spiral down that will stick with them for years. One word, one sentence, one comment. But on the flip side of that, you have no idea how God can use a single word of encouragement to build somebody up. How do you walk into work in the morning? Come on, let's talk about it for a second. How do you greet your coworkers in the morning? How do you greet your kids? How do you greet your spouse, the people that you run into in your sphere of influence that you rub shoulders with? Come on, are you building people up? Are you tearing people down? Are you in a good mood when you see them? Are you in a bad mood? Oh, well, Pastor Brad, that doesn't. No, it matters. The way that we speak, the way that we interact with people matters greatly. Because you're tearing them up or you're building or you're tearing them down or you're building them up. Let me put it this way, try to break this down a little bit more. What kind of person do you want to be? 
I want to give you two options this evening. And the first would be this. There's a lot of people in this world that are fault finders. That's not right. Mm-mm. Why? What in the world? Mm. You know who you are? Come on. I'm, listen, I'm right there with you a lot. I'm preaching this to me just as much as I'm preaching it to you. Do not worry. This is quite honestly where, where a lot of us fall because of our sin nature. That we, we tend to find what's wrong before we ever look for what's right. Those of you who are married in the room tonight and watching online, you got to be extremely careful because it's so easy to be a fault finder. You can take a relatively good person and pick them apart before you ever get to lunch. Oh, I don't like, mm-mm. I don't like the way you walked in the room. <laughs> One foot in front of the other, sweetheart. Just, I mean, just... You, you chewed that chicken like, I don't, I don't even like the way you're chewing right now. Really? Just chewing. My mouth open or, I mean, you want to see what I'm chewing? I, what, what? I don't like the way you snore. Well, I don't like it either, but I can't help it. I'm sorry. I don't like the way you breathe. No, you shouldn't use that one. That you're laughing because it's true. We can use words in such a harmful way that we're constantly tearing people down and we're, we're finding fault in everything. And those kind of people are no fun to be around. If you're looking for friends, I, I'm being as, as honest as I can right now. If you, if you lack friends in your world, I want to ask you, how do you use your words? How do you interact with people? I'm telling you, if you would start, if you would walk up to a group and you would start building them up and encouraging somebody that you don't even know, guess what? They're going to want to stand there and talk to you. It doesn't have to be fake, but you can look for good things instead of negative things. You start, man, wow, what, a, what an amazing smile you have. That is so, God has given you a great, oh, really, you think so? Hey, man. Because people are so used to people finding fault in their life that when you start to encourage somebody, people are drawn to encouragers. You want to share your faith? Be an encourager. That's how you win people. Encourage people and speak highly of them. Speak good of them. Find the good in them. Even though they're not all good, they're something good. Walk into the office. I don't like the way they run those meetings. There's no order to these meetings. Takes too long. They're all happy over there, laughing and talking. And I don't, mm, no real plan here. Can you believe the way they raise their kids? I mean, if they're going to raise their kids like that, they might as well just go ahead and throw them in prison now because they ain't got no chance. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I'm, not, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. You're just saying, huh? It's easy to be a fault finder. You know who's good at being a fault finder? The Pharisees. They were great fault finders. You know who else was an amazing fault finder? 
This is going to blow your mind. The devil. The devil was an, an amazing fault finder. The accuser of the brethren. What does he do? He finds fault in people. And, and, so let me ask you, why, why do some of us fall into this category of finding fault consistently? I think sometimes, honestly, I think it's because we're full of pride. And we think we know all the answers. That we think our way is the best way. Oh, you do it a different way than me, you are dumb. We're full of pride. Sometimes we're incredibly insecure. So we find fault in people in areas of our life that we're really weak in. We find fault in other people. We criticize. Sometimes... Sometimes it's because we just simply don't understand. We criticize from a distance things that we have no understanding of. Sometimes we find fault in the church. The music's too loud. The lights are too bright. The lights are too dim. It's too cold. It's too hot. But sometimes we don't have a full understanding, a full context of what's going on. It's, it's a lot like me before I had children. It was real easy for me to walk into HEB and see parents with a two-year-old, and that two-year-old is throwing a fit. And I'm like, man, y'all are awful at this. I don't have kids, but my two-year-old ain't never doing that. Y'all are crazy. Y'all got to figure this out. And then I had a two-year-old. And then I went to HEB. And then I learned that mom and dad wasn't so crazy. I learned that you don't negotiate with terrorists. Here you go. Have whatever you want. You want a pony? Have a pony. Just get in the car, please. Because I didn't understand. I'd never walked through what they were walking through. And so I criticized because I didn't have an understanding of what was going on in their world. See, and here's, here's the dirty little secret about criticizing others. And a lot of times our thinking behind it is this. Well, it makes me look smarter if I tear them down. If I criticize them, it makes me look like an expert. It shows how good I am. It shows how smart I am. It shows how together I have it. But can I... Can I just tell you, if you were unaware, if that's your line of thinking, let me just let you in on a secret. Truthfully, it really makes us look incredibly insecure and mean-spirited. So you can be a fault finder, or here's the second, and here's where I choose to land. Or you can be a hope dealer. A fault finder or a hope dealer. Not to be confused with dope. Hope dealer. It's because... Let's be clear. Pronunciate hope. Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. Why? So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was a chief hope dealer. Anytime he would speak, anytime he would write, 
He wasn't tearing people down, but he was gonna build people up. He wasn't gonna allow unwholesome talk to come out of his mouth, but only that which was helpful for building life and speaking life into other people. He was a supreme hope dealer. In fact, you read some of his writings and you can pick up on this, something like this, that there's now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. He would say things like the Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness. He would say things like that you are, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. That, that, gives me, that gives me hope. Neither death nor life nor demons or angels or powers of the present or the future nor height nor depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This was the way that he spoke. This, was, this is what he said. So you have a choice. We have a choice. Will we be fault finders or will we be hope dealers? The Pharisees were good. They were great fault finders. The devil was a great fault finder. Jesus is full of hope. Jesus is full of hope. First Timothy would say, that calls Jesus who, he says, says, this is our hope. Titus 2 calls Jesus the blessed hope. First Peter calls Jesus the, the living hope. Jesus was full of hope. This is, what, this is what he dealt was hope. That in me you can have life. There is more than, than what you're currently living. There is, there is hope. You know, whenever, whenever someone would sin, the Pharisees were so quick to point out the sin and accuse them. They were You, 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 you. Jesus, Jesus would come and he would call sin what it was. He didn't, he didn't say, oh yeah, hey, it's okay, keep sinning. No, 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 that's not how Jesus dealt with it. He would call sin for what it is. But he didn't stop there. He would offer hope. Hope to walk away from the bondages of sin. Not that you're just a sinner, but, but guess what? Yeah, you are a sinner, but there's something for you. You can, you can get out of this way of living. You don't have, if you don't want to be here, I, I know how you can get out of what you're walking in right now. I know how you can leave behind the life that you're living. There was a woman one day, perhaps you've heard the story a time or two, was caught in adultery. Pharisees stone her. This was the law. Put her to death. It was exactly what the law would say. The Pharisees pointed out everything that was wrong. What did Jesus do when he came on the scene? kneels down, writes in the sand. We don't know exactly what he wrote. Historians believe certain 
certain things about that, but nobody knows for sure. Then Jesus would kneel down in the sand, and you can, you can picture it in your mind, this woman laying on the ground, just embarrassed as can be about what's going on in her world, being judged by many that were in, in the area. Jesus would kneel down to a woman who was broken, who was full of shame. And he said to her, ma'am, where are your, where are your fault finders? Where are your accusers? Where are the people that pointed out everything that was wrong in your life? Don't get me wrong. What, I'm not condoning what you're doing. But where, where are they at this point? Where are your accusers? Those that would try to condemn you. She raises her head, looks around. They're all gone. Well, they're not, they're not there, she said. Jesus says, ma'am, neither do I condemn you. There's a better way. There's a better way. Go and sin no more. You can find forgiveness. There's Listen, this is sin. You messed up. But you can find forgiveness. You you can find life. You can find real love. Hope dealer. Hope dealer. I want to be... I want to be a dealer of hope. I want to speak words of life. I want to be a person that one day when my time has come, that people look at me and say, wow. Man, when I encountered Brad Wilkinson, I left feeling better about me. He was so full of Jesus that it just overflowed from his life. Now, I don't know if you will one day, but that's my hope. <laughs> what do you want to be? You want to be a fault finder? Because it's an easy default. It is. It's easy to be a nitpicker. And that's what the Pharisees were. It's what the devil was, the prince of darkness, the father of lies, the great deceiver accuser of the brethren, but not Jesus, not the one that we know, not the one that we serve, not the one that we follow, a dealer of hope. Would you stand with me all across the room tonight? I just want to remind you very quickly how powerful your words are. Just be, just be reminded tonight that when you criticize your spouse, 
what it does to their self-esteem and to intimacy in the relationship. I think sometimes we have no idea when we're unnecessarily hard on our children how it belittles them and how it pushes them further away from us. Just remember, remember how foolish we look when we criticize and criticize and criticize, thinking that, that people find it funny or it makes us look better or we're, we're smarter. No, no, no. Remember that people see through that. They see somebody that is insecure and somebody that is mean-spirited. But also, let, let's, let's look on the flip side. Don't forget how one word of encouragement God can use to spark something in somebody's life that will set them on a course to do something totally different. One word of encouragement. Don't forget that when you speak the best about others, how God can use that to build them up. And so, and so your child, listen, your child may not be the neatest child. They may leave their clothes all over the floor. Hello, somebody. But my guess is they have a great heart. That overall, they're a pretty amazing child. Tell them. Tell them you're amazing. Do you know I think the world of you? When's the last time, Dad? It was, hopefully it was this morning. When's the last time you pulled your kids close? said, sweetheart, I want you to know that I think so highly of you. That God's got his hand on your life. That you are talented. That you are amazing. That God is calling you to such great things. Sure, you got to get on to them. And you got you to keep them walking the right path. I'm not talking about that. But there's also got to be a moment when you pull them close. And you don't nitpick every little thing that they do because you know their heart. Because that's the goal, right? That's the goal of disciplining is changing the heart. We're not just trying to modify behavior. We're trying to get at their heart. So you've got to check their heart. How's their heart? I know your roommate may eat your food and wear your clothes. Because that's what roommates do. But he or she is probably a really good friend, too. When's the last time you told him, hey, thank you for being one of the most loyal friends that I have. I'm so grateful that we get to split the cost of an apartment. I'm so grateful that I come home and there is no food in the fridge. I'm just kidding. No, don't do that. Your wife may not be the most organized, but I have a feeling she is an amazing mom. Instead of picking her apart for what she's not, build her up for what she is and who she is. 
Sweetheart, I love the way that you treat our kids. I love what you're instilling in them. I couldn't have married a better person that I get to do this life with. I know you're not a worker. No, don't say that. Don't tell them. Your husband, your husband may never win yard of the month. In fact, ma'am, you know it looks really bad right now. But next time that he grabs the lawnmower and walks out there, find a way to build him up. Sweetheart, you look so good out there in your Crocs with those socks pulled all the way up to your knees. Wearing that tank top you've had since we were dating with 38 holes in it. And that floppy old fishing hat because you don't want to get sun on your face. And ooh, those protective glasses that you wear. The way you push that lawnmower. My, my, my. Words of life. Words that build. Words that encourage. Let's start looking for the good instead of looking for the bad. Come on, I want to be a church. What would happen? I'm going to say this and I'm going to pray over you and let you go and get your family home to bed for work tomorrow. But what would happen if every one of us, the few hundred people that are in the room tonight, those watching online, if we went into every day looking for ways to encourage people in our life, can I tell you how much happier you will be? Because you will make the people in your life feel better about who God's calling them to be. You want relationship with your spouse to get better, start building them up. You want your kids to be closer to you, start building them up. Words that build up instead of words that tear down. So Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. Your word, Lord, that corrects us when we need to be corrected, but we don't feel condemnation for it. Lord, we, felt, we feel built up with the words that come from Scripture. We know that we have a hope. We know that we can't live in sin, but you've got a better way designed for us because, Jesus, you are a dealer of hope. You don't walk around finding every little mistake that we make and just majoring on it, but you call a sin a sin, but then you let us know that there is hope for a better tomorrow. And I pray, Lord, I pray that Christian Life Austin would be known for people that dealt hope, that every day that we walk into work, we're building others up. Every day that we walk in from work to our house, we're building our spouses up. We're building our kids up. We're building our family and our friends up with words of life. Help us, Lord. Help us think about what we say in the words that come out of our mouth. Are we constant complainers? Are we constant criticizers? Lord, do we deal hope? And I'm grateful. Lord, I'm grateful for a room full of people who are trying to get it right. And I pray that you would be with us, that you would bless us as we have learned to use our words wisely to build people up. Bless us tonight. Bring us back to church on Sunday morning. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen.